0: Welcome to the Waves Podcast. Our services are held on the first Friday of every month at New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas. We hope today's message grows you, challenges you, and inspires you to be all that God has called you to be. Enjoy!
1: Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this service tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in our young people's lives. I thank you for this spirit of revival And we just ask that you would bless this service tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to do something tonight called hard questions. So I think the way that we're going to do this is some of you guys submitted questions tonight. And uh, we're going to probably take a few more questions. So if during this message tonight you think of some questions, you can ask me. And if I don't know them, Katie will answer them. (laughs) And if she doesn't know them, we're going to Google the answers, okay? Siri. Okay, so uh, I haven't seen any of these questions. So, uh, Katie, how are we going to do this?
0: All right, so we took all your questions and we put them in this bucket here. So I'm going to draw them. I'm going to read them, and Luke is going to answer them.
1: Not a good sign when she had to pass on the first question. No, so I guess they so they took like the top questions and then, oh, so are these the questions? Yes. Okay, so we're randomly drawing these. I haven't heard any of these. And I'm just going to share my personal opinions on them.
0: Yes, this is a good one. Hey, Pastor Luke, a friend recently mentioned that the worst things always happen to Christian people. What would be a good response to that?
1: Hmm true. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, (laughs) I have a great response to that, actually. I was recently at a big, I won't say any more details. I was at an event that was obviously recently. (laughs) Don't check where I was recently because you'll know where I was. And a very well-known pastor Taught a message that God will not use you greatly until he wounds you deeply. Um, That's catchy, and it goes well on Instagram. It's just, it's not the way I'm going to believe. I'm not going to receive that in my life. You know, that's, that's something that was taught even back into my parents' generation, and that's the way my parents believed. And it's a victim mentality. When you believe that, you're nullifying the work that Jesus paid on the cross. Jesus paid a price so that we can walk in victory. And, and, and when you teach people that God will not use you greatly until he wounds you deeply, what you're teaching them is that when he wounds you terribly, it's him, and that's what qualifies him, you to be used, so you're teaching people to accept the enemy's attacks on a big scale level. If we're teaching people to accept the attack of the enemy on a large scale, well, then of course we're going to accept it on every scale down from then. So what are we supposed to do? Believe that every little thing that goes wrong in life is God? That's ultimately where that teaching leads to. It's not true. Now, people are destroyed for what reason? Their their lack of knowledge. So according to your faith, be it unto you, if you believe that God won't use you greatly until he wounds you deeply, then that's your mindset, then the enemy might be able to take advantage of that. Or even if he doesn't, when something just randomly goes wrong, you don't know that you're supposed to attack that, and then you walk in that defeat, and then when people tell you about things they're going through... You tell that person, well, that's God. No, it's not God. God sent his son so that we could walk in complete blessing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We shouldn't receive any type of sickness, any type of disease, any type of pain or poverty. I believe that part of why we're here on the earth actually is to perfect ourselves. To work through all of that stuff, to figure out medicines and and to figure out ways to to understand how we're why we're missing the things that we're missing that bring pain into the earth. And then and then figure out answers to those things and then give God the glory. So the question, though, then remains, well, then when something bad happens to a good person, what is that? And the answer to that is that there is an enemy still present right. in this world. And he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Right. But it's not God. Come on, speak of, amen. It's the enemy. Yeah. And that's why one day we need to, after this life, go to the place where none of that happens. But for now, there's such thing as free will. Mm-hmm. And free will has repercussions, And then so sometimes when bad things happen, it's because there's a law that you reap what you sow. And so you might have opened a door for something negative to happen in your life. Or you may not have opened a door and the enemy may have just found his way in regardless. And something bad happens in your life, like what happened with my son, Lion. So when Lion got sick with leukemia, I had to process that and none of it made sense to me. I was like, this doesn't line up with my theology. This doesn't line up with who I believe God to be or who I tell people who God is. And so I had to process that just like this, this person in this question here. But where I ended up landing in my understanding was, first I'll say this, I, I, was say, I was telling God, God, I don't understand any of this. And then God reminded me, you're not supposed to lean on your understanding anyways. Don't lean on your understanding. And I preached about this on Wednesday that you have to trust in God. And ultimately, there are tests here in this world. There's tests. And sometimes we don't see the positive in a situation. Sometimes all we can see is the negative. But that's when you have to choose to trust God regardless, even when it doesn't line up with your theology or any of that kind of stuff. To put it simply, guys, don't ever quit on God. Just don't ever quit. Imagine my situation. I was in the hospital for five months with my seven-month-old fighting cancer. There was no, there was no, nothing that made sense about it. And in that time, you really find out who you are. And you really find out how in need you are of God and so i made a choice a mental and a spiritual choice simply to trust in god had i not i probably wouldn't be up here today it could have been something that just derailed my whole life's mission i was playing i've been working towards where i'm at for my whole life and the enemy could have with that sneaky little left hook that he threw on my life He could have derailed me, but thankfully I was rooted in the word of God. And that's why you follow this scripture right here that says be in your word and be in prayer so that when the enemy does attack, you have a foundation that your life is built upon. And that's where you draw from. And and you go, I don't understand what's going on out here, but I'm not going to operate according to that. I'm going to operate according to this. You see what I'm saying? And so I had to remember, I'm not supposed to lean on my understanding. And then leaning instead on my trust in God led me out of the wilderness and has led me into much understanding. And one of the biggest things that I understood understood out of coming out of this situation with Lion is this, that God did not do this to me. But God will use it to do something through me. And that is the place that you need to operate from when you're attacked by something. God didn't do it to you. It's the enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. It's the goodness of God that draws men. But Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when there's an attack on your life, don't receive it. Rebuke it. Pray against it. And stand on the promises of the word of God, which you're supposed to be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. God is God is not a liar. He's not going to say you're supposed to be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. And then at the same time say, but at the same time, I'm going to do some of the worst things in life to you. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. But when the enemy does come in, he will use it to do something great in you. And now I speak from a different position in life that will be a strength for me in ministry when I'm talking to somebody as I'm pastoring and someone says, I'm going through this. I don't just say, well, uh, man, I feel bad for that person. I say, man, I know where you're coming from and I can tell you God can lead you through that. That's the difference between sympathy and empathy. And so you just have to remember that when something bad happens, just remember this. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. You know, lean on your brothers, lean on your sisters, lean on your family, but don't ever give up. If you got to slow down a little bit, you got to slow down, but just don't ever give up. Just get back up. Just get back up. Just get back up. Stay in in there. Stay in there. Don't ever give up. And God will, God will give you the grace to get through that situation I, I posted that on Instagram just a couple of days ago that, that Bill Johnson quote said that every attack of the enemy has a available grace to overcome that attack. Yeah. So you think about the, the grace that's needed for, for my mom right now, it's, but it's there. Yeah. The grace to overcome that. So whatever you've gone through, no matter how hurt you've been, no matter how abandoned you've been, no matter how unfairly, things have played out in your life there is a grace that is sufficient in your life to come through all of that and often those times those are the really almost the only things that can draw you that closely to the lord right. you know and and ultimately people who have been hurt are the people who are end up being the most loving right. people in the world because they just operate from a different place right. so not that you seek <laughs> that type of a testimony, but if it happens to you, mm-hmm. just know that something great will come out of it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering on that. All right. All right. Next one.
0: All right, that was good. Let's see here. Let's see
1: here, is Katie single?
0: <laughs> Who put that in there? <laughs> Katie did. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad I picked this one. I was hoping we'd get to this one.
1: And you guys can be thinking of something right now because I'll call on you, you too.
0: What is the most recent revelation that God has given you and what has changed in your perspective since receiving that enlightenment?
1: Well, the most recent, um, th- there's two answers to that, the most recent and the largest. The largest in terms of scale uh, is what I just shared with you guys right there that when, God, when, when, when something tragic, like a crisis happens in your life, like it happened with us, it's not God and he didn't do it to you, but he'll use it to do something through you. And being in the hospital for months and months and months, God really showed me 10 steps to come through a crisis. And I'm actually writing a book on that, and I believe that this book is going to help people because when, when this happened to me, I had those same questions that that person had. How is this, you know, and there was no resources for me that could kind of help me walk through this. So God, through his grace, see God has a, he's just got a plan. He's got a plan. And this is like why it's like a partnership. It's understanding it's a, there's a partnership and there's a relationship and you're walking through life and, and 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 you look at life as a as a journey as and as an adventure. Mm-hmm. And and you're looking at a, there's a partnership where God is wanting to do things, things in the world through you. Some of you may be may be the people that God uses to change the NFL, some of you may be people who God uses to change the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Some of you may be who God uses to change the church world mm-hmm. or music or your family. Yeah. My, my, my sister's family or my wife's family is all uh, serving the Lord now, but they didn't used to. And it took quite a while for that to come about, but it started with my wife. So there is a partnership that God understands everything that you're going through. He understands all of your desires, all of the things that you want to do in life, all the things you're passionate about. He placed those things in you yeah. and pursuing those and allow God to, God to direct you through life allows you to become the person that he wants you to be in order to fulfill your destiny to accomplish his will for your life in the world. Yeah. And do something great in the world. Whether that's through medicine. There's some people in here who the, the cure for cancer might be inside of you. Yeah. But you have to work hard at that. Mm-hmm. You've got to work hard. And you've got to engage mm-hmm. in the call of God on your life. And ultimately, you have to pursue God so that if there's ever any distractions in your life or any hindrances, those things aren't able to knock you off, of course. Yeah. But... this this 10 steps that God showed me that were not like, hey, you know do this and then you'll get through it. I learned them walking through the process and realized, okay, these are the top 10 things I did to come through this situation without losing my mind, losing my salvation and ultimately seeing my son healed. Mm -hmm. That revelation, I believe, is going to help thousands and thousands of people because when I give them that book, when they're going through a crisis and it will apply to... Smaller crises too. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a it's a plan for victory over really any situation in your life. So that was the biggest revelation that I've had lately, and that's still being revealed to me because my son still takes chemotherapy every single day. So I'm still I'm still walking through this battle, but I'm walking through it victoriously. And you know, today my son had to have a transfusion. Uh, He's had you know, dozens and dozens of them, but he's doing great, but it's part of the process to walk through. It doesn't always just happen just immediately. Right. And this is why I'm saying to like the young men in this place, man, be bold, yeah. you know, be soldiers yeah. because God needs you to be tough. Young ladies, God needs you to be strong yeah. so that when there's an attack or if there's an attack, it doesn't knock you off course. And your destiny still gets fulfilled. So the most recent revelation for me is what God's wanting to do with families yeah. in our church right now, Amen. because ultimately our church is kind of like, it's kind of led by, um, you know, people 40 and over, but what God is saying right now, and that's why I'm, I'm pushing this through is that uh, in order for the revival to come, I really believe it starts with the young people. And and I believe that. Um, I I talked about this last Wednesday. I believe that. Or, yeah, this this past Wednesday, that we traditionally think. Okay, if we want the young people to be on fire, it's young people getting other young people on fire. Or if we want the older people to be on fire, it's older people getting older people on fire. I actually believe that for us in this season, it's the opposite. When. The older generation sees you doing what Paul said to Timothy. It's going to stir them up. And they're not going to be like, well, it's time for us to retire and let the younger people take over. No, they're going to be stirred to even go, God, what do you have next for us? And vice versa. When they see you and when you see them. Because ultimately, here's how you need to see the older people right now is You know, if I can talk where the rubber meets the road tonight, if our service tonight was dependent upon the tithes and the offerings of everybody 30 and under, would we have had a band tonight? Or would we have had lights tonight? Or would we have had air conditioning tonight? I don't know. So there's an honoring from the young people in the older people of the older people. And an understanding that the younger people need to have an appreciation of what the older people have done. Because the older people at one point were your age Mm -hmm. and had somebody my age speaking to them and saying, hey, young person, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to be a greeter at the front and make people feel welcome when they come in. It's time for you to be diligent about your tithes and offerings. And I'm just speaking, you know, real, really honestly with you guys tonight, because because that's what you need. You know, yeah. like I'm a coach ultimately at the end of the day, like when you go to football practice, if you if you don't catch that ball the way that you're supposed to catch it. Right. Your coach is going to tell you he's not going to be like, oh that, oh, that was sweet, honey. <laughs> that was sweet, honey. We don't actually need you to catch the ball. No, young people, we need you to catch the ball. Yeah, that's good. We need you to catch the ball. Because the older generation, they just getting older. <laughs> yeah. And they're passing you the ball right now. The question is, are you going to catch that ball? Yeah. Are you ready to catch that ball and ready to run with that ball? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the answer to that question determines the next generation. Will they know Jesus or not? Yeah. So I believe God answered that question, that our young people are ready. And... I've been seeing that down here on Sundays, and that's the thing. Because when I knew that we were about to um, start having young people do the second service, I was like, God, how's this going to go? You know, are the older people going to um, ultimately? I want it to be like this. I don't want it to be a separation. But but what we need is we need young people to to step up. That's why we're doing this to invest into that next generation. So and ultimately, I believe that what happens a lot of times when there's transitions in churches is they just don't often go well because it's like a, it's, there's like a division between the ages. And what God's shown me for our church is that it's the older people and the younger people together. Yes. It's the older people mentoring the younger people, but it's the younger people taking over some of the physical labor so that the older people are freed up to do some of the mentoring. Yeah. So ultimately, it really comes down to young people stepping up yeah. and, 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 okay, I'm going to take on my responsibility. And that goes all the way down into Kid City. From being a leader in Kid City to being a leader in Ignite to being a leader in Waves and then to being a leader here on Sunday morning. So ultimately, I believe that there's a revival that's begun for us, but it's kind of like in an infant stage. And we just need to water that with our efforts. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, Should we? Okay, we'll do one more.
0: How do you interact daily with people who may not be living for God and be influential as a light? What are some practical ways to represent Jesus to people who don't believe in Jesus?
1: Mm. Read it one more time. That was long.
0: How do you interact daily with people who may not be living for God and be influential as a light? What are some practical ways to represent Jesus to people who don't believe in Jesus?
1: I'll keep this short so we can get a few more here in the next like five minutes, then we'll dismiss. Ultimately, I would say that the, the best way to do that is through your actions. Ultimately, you know, you don't have time to to talk to a bunch of people uh, as much as you have to represent Jesus through your actions. And a good example of that is like when I was in the hospital with our son, uh, we made a real conscious effort to be really kind to all of the nurses because to be honest, we wanted good care. (laughs) We wanted good care back from them. And we wanted to also, we wanted to set a tone of positivity and, 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 and happiness in this hard situation. And then a couple of the uh, staff, actually it was cleaning staff came in and started with them. And then I started hearing from the nurses, they knew who we were and they'd, and they'd went to the website. So they knew that me and Jen were pastors before I knew they knew we were pastors. So had we not been being kind to them, yeah. uh, that would have been a bad example. Yeah. And so, but because we were and they, kind to them and they knew that we didn't know it, our example spoke much louder to yeah. them than our words could have. Yeah. So that's ultimately um, how you do that. And when you're in school, you do that by not participating in the dirty jokes. You do that by uh, uh, not dressing sleazy. You do that by living like a Christian and being yeah. bold about it. Yeah. Amen?
0: Yes. Amen. Another one? Yeah. Kathy. How important are Jewish roots to understanding the Bible? Is it just a gimmick to make church seem cool? And is the message of Jesus in the new Testament enough?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would definitely say it's not a gimmick to make things look cool. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, no, it's, (laughs) it's definitely not a gimmick to make things look cool. Um, I would say that it's very important, but at the same time, it becomes more important at a certain stage in your life. Uh, And that's why, actually, we're going to the double services. Uh, When when you understand the Jewish roots, it'll bring such depth to your life, lachaim to life. Mm -hmm. Um, Christianity, you know, it, it kind of is... It's pretty surface because of how long it's actually been around. Now, I shouldn't say surface, but in terms of the, the length of history that Christianity has been around, it's, it's much more recent than the, the vast and deep and, and, and far-reaching back history of Judaism. What you have to understand is that Jesus was a Jew and, and Jesus had teachers. Jesus didn't come up with all this stuff. Right. He was taught this stuff. And so when you think about it that way, you go, well, holy smokes, who was teaching Jesus? And then you go, well, I'd like to hear what that guy has to say. And so Christianity, ultimately, it it, it talks a lot about heaven. Judaism doesn't talk so much about heaven. Judaism talks more so about how to bring heaven down here on earth. And so although we want to get to heaven wouldn't it be great to understand also how we're supposed to live this life here on earth? Yeah. And so, no, it's not. It's definitely not a gimmick. Um, and, and just to put that to rest, um, you just have to understand that Jesus was a Jew and Jesus never stopped being a Jew. Yeah. So all of the things he was doing was Jewish and he observed all of the Jewish traditions, all of them, yeah. all of the holidays. Sabbath. In fact, you know, doing some of the miracles on the Sabbath and whatnot is why some of the Pharisees were actually giving him problems because he was so Jewish. Uh So you have to understand if, if Jesus was a Jew, he, and he never told us to stop being Jewish. Why have we? I mean, you think about it. Like, well, okay, so the Sabbath, for example, is on Saturday. Well, how, why aren't we honoring the Sabbath? I mean, you think about how crazy that is. That is that the honor of the Sabbath on Saturday is one of the Ten Commandments. Yet, for some reason, we don't do it. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. And so my dad te- teaches a lot on that. And you can get some of the resources from the bookstore. But ultimately how that happened was that something called the Council of Nicaea, where Christianity was starting to spread all around the world. And it actually became a, a political force. And so the the leaders of the time had to pull everybody together and say, okay, who whose stories are we going to stick to here? And let's let's say, okay, this one's maybe not so credible. This is actually more credible. And let's have something that everybody can come together. And that's where the Bible was actually created. Okay? And so uh, this was all created by Rome. And so... Um, And so Rome changed some of the Jewish things for different reasons. And they're the ones who changed the, the, the Sabbath from being Saturday to Sunday. So you go, well, does that actually matter? I would say, yeah. If we want to follow Jesus and we want to do it like Jesus did it and have the blessings that he said would come from doing it, we probably don't want to change those things. Now, God's grace is on us and it's still great to have church on Sunday and all that kind of stuff. But there is an honor. Before I came up here tonight, I lit those Sabbath candles and I, and I told myself I'm entering into a time of rest. You know what I'm saying? And, and I also know what comes along with that rest is that, okay, on the Sabbath is when I should be expecting the blessing from all of the previous days of the week that I worked. So all of those types of things that bring a richness and an understanding to your life, um, most of those things are found in our Judaism. So, um, do you need to know those things all right off the bat? No, probably not. And again, that's why we're doing the two services because the church is a little bit, not our church, but just the church overall is a little bit shallow in their missing of those things. And when you understand that the Messiah coming back, Jesus coming back is dependent on the global church coming back to their Jewish roots, the Jewish roots have to be taught. And so... When we started teaching Jewish roots 20, 25 years ago, it wasn't a popular thing, but it was in the scripture. But most people don't know it's in the scripture because most people aren't reading their word all that much. Now it's starting to become more more popular and more understood. But um, it's important because it brings richness and meaning to your life, but it's also important for what God is trying to do in the earth and for the Messiah coming back. That being said, we also have to reach people who don't understand that and it goes over their head. Not that we're only teaching simple things at our second service, but at our second service we're teaching more like stuff that has to do with like our local church and discipleship and how to plug into all God has for your personal life and all that kind of stuff. So ultimately we're trying to do all of those things. It's going to be really good. Amen. Does anybody have a question here?
0: Um, My name is Princess.
1: Hi, Princess. What's your question?
0: Um, My question is, um, well, I know there are signs of like, God leading people, like um, discernment of spirit, but like how are you cultivated into hearing God's audible voice? Like, how can you hear God's voice? Like people hear God's voice and I've never heard it. Um, I've been led and you know I've experienced and am experienced discernment, but I desire to learn how do I gain his trust to hear his voice audibly, like how I'm talking right now.
1: That's a great question. So the way that you do that is, number one, to have a desire to it. God says that you're supposed to seek the gifts of the spirit. If you're not interested in the gifts of the spirit, most likely the gifts of the spirit aren't going to reveal themselves to you. I'm personally interested in healing because I believe that if people are physically healed, who's not going to come to the Lord if they're seeing physical healings? That's why I'm excited about what God did through my son, Lion, and what he's doing in my mom, because I'm like, whoa, is this a catalyst to the uh, desire that I've had in my heart for people to be healed? Some of you came to the Leland concert where I was praying for people to be healed. I put myself out there because I was like, God, I want to see some healings. And he said, well, then see if there's some healings. And there were some people who were healed from that. So first and foremost is to desire it. If God placed the desire on your heart for that, that's him. Because trust me, it's not the devil putting those desires on your heart to to seek those gifts of the Spirit. So everybody in here should be seeking the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Amen? Amen. The second thing I would say about that is before you hear the audible voice of God, and you may hear the, the, the audible voice of God, you need to understand how to discern the voice of God through the Scripture. And this is one of my biggest encouragements for everybody in here, including our worship team, actually. To go deeper in God... It's about love for God, but ultimately your love needs to have a depth. There needs to be a deepness to your love. And the deepness of your love, you know, like are you guys married? Okay. You love your wife more the more you love your wife more as you get to know who she is more, right? And you love your husband, the more you get to know him, the more the, the more you understand his character. She's like, "No." <laughs> theoretically, okay? And it's the same thing with God. As you begin to understand his nature, hear me in this, as you begin to understand his nature, you'll develop a deeper love for him. And as you develop an understanding of who he is through his word, you'll start to receive his voice through through the word. So it's not that God holds the gifts back from us until we're qualified for them. But at the same time, there's a degree of that. He might you know allow you to just because someone prays for someone and they're healed doesn't mean that that person has the gift of healing or just because someone prophesies and, and they, they get one <laughs> doesn't mean they have the gift of prophecy it means that God used them in that thing but you have to develop it and you have to approve you have to show yourself approved is what the Word of God says. so ultimately it's discipleship. As, as, as you allow the scripture and as you allow leadership to disciple you and as you put your hands to something and God says, OK, well, I see that they desire the gifts for the right reasons. Then he'll start to to, to give you more of that. So first thing, know his word, because because there's 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 really no reason for him to speak audibly Until you've really dug into a lot of this, not saying that you haven't, but you know what I'm saying in general, because he he spoke here, but desire it, seek it. And it may happen, but start here. And then the other thing is, is that um, understand that he with giftings, it's a complicated thing, but he doesn't want to put something he doesn't want to he doesn't want to give people gifts if they're not necessarily ready. I'm not saying you're not, but this is just a general understanding. He doesn't give people gifts until they're ready because the gift could end up hurting them or it could hurt somebody else. If you, you know, aren't ready for this gift and then you start operating in it, but then you fall, you stumble and you embarrass God and then people go, oh man, you know, that was, you see what I'm saying? Like that, you, know, you guys get what I'm saying. So ultimately just staying on that track and just continuing to pursue God and, and, and showing him that you would appreciate those things and that you're faithful in the small things, you know, are you faithful to the, to the written word? That will move you closer to being able to be ready to hear him audibly. Or you might just do it out of nowhere. I have no idea. One more. One more question. Uh, Nathaniel. And i um, sorry, I'm going to give you a hard one. It's a good name. Yes, sir. Um, so if somebody commits suicide, like your friend commits suicide, can he still go to heaven? Did you say like my friend committed suicide yes. or your friend? Yeah, my friend. Okay. Um, so you guys heard his question. Um, I would say, can't, did you say, can he still go to heaven? Yes, sir. I would say, and he was a Christian. Yeah. I would say unequivocally. Yes. yes. I would say a hundred percent. And my reasoning for that is that that, Kind of that doctrine of you, you, you do this and and, and that's the, that's that thing that you can 't go to heaven for it 's not really supported in the Bible. The only thing that 's really supported in the Bible as being a potentially unforgivable thing is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which that 's a completely different thing and we have to understand and this is like this is this is so important to me is that we don 't understand how good God is i mean he 's so good. And it's hard to understand that sometimes because there's so much pain in the world. But if your loved one was going through such pain or such mental anguish that they felt like that was the only reason, I would think God would be like, come on home. If that happens, if that happened, he'd be like, you know what? I got you. So unequivocally, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus actually said, I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. And so God has a, Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come for everybody who's doing good. I came for the ones who are hurting. So I believe that God has a massive heart for the hurting. And he's not going to go, hang in there. You're hurting so bad, but just hang in there. Oh, you couldn't take it anymore. Well, then I, then too bad. No way. So that's a really good question because that's one of those, you know, narratives and stories that's pushed out there um, that, again, um, it's like teaching people that God won't use you greatly until he wounds you deeply. You know, and so if, if, God forbid, you have somebody, and and I I know I do have experience with this, but a family comes to me and says, my son or my daughter or whatever committed suicide— Imagine what I do to their faith and what it means for them moving forward in the Lord if I go, oh, man, that's unfortunate because, you know, he's going to hell now, you know, versus me going, you know what? God loves him. God's got a plan. He's in a better place. You see what I'm saying? Because nobody chooses that path out of being in a good place. And God is, God is super empathetic for people in those situations. And so we should be, too. Amen. One more, and then we'll close. Very good questions. Great
0: questions.
1: Who's going to win the fight this Saturday between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier? Three letters will answer that question. USA.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. What advice would you give to single people in their waiting season, and how do you know when a relationship is from God? It is not my question.
1: <laughs> um, have a really big older brother. and uh, <laughs> Pretty much. Um, read it one more time. I'm glad we got to a relationship question.
0: What advice would you give to a single person in their waiting season, and how do you know when a relationship is from God?
1: Okay. Let's, okay, so what advice would you give to a, a okay. As far as the advice to a single person in a waiting season, I would say be patient. As patient as it takes, ultimately, like Mm -hmm. there's no time frame just because most people get married at this age or that age. You know what? None of it matters. It's what God has for you. And it's just the same with kids. You know, we didn't have kids until Jen and I will be married uh, uh, 16 years, no, 15 years, uh, in a couple of days. But we just had a baby, you know. Um, it's It's a personal thing. So be patient, but also don't date a bunch of people. And don't date anybody unless they're marriage material. Because if Bill is with Susie and he knows she's not marriage material. How likely is God to bring along marriage material if you're just wasting your time with Susie? Right. And the other thing is, is and, and I, I said this for a long time, um, you want a 10, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're a guy, you want a dime. If you're a girl, you want a 10, right? right. <laughs> so, allow yourself to be in the development stages of becoming the best person that you can possibly be so that you can attract the best person you can possibly be. Because dimes aren't just walking around out there, fellas, going, hope I could come across a four and a half today. (laughs) Really looking for a four and a half. Don't wanna be challenged. No. So personally, I'm not real big on, on dating you know, to be honest. I'm, I'm more into building a friendship with the person that you're interested in and getting pretty, pretty confident about, you know, finding out, is this person marriage material? Then date. I'm not into dating to find out if someone's marriage material. Of course, there's a component of that. There's an aspect of that. But when people date a whole bunch of people it's just not very fruitful and it's and all that does because ultimately you're gonna only marry one person so then you're just leaving this trail of people behind that you have an awkward history with mm-hmm. and and you might work with those people or you might go to church with those people and it's just not the healthiest way to do about it is it, you know there's nothing wrong with wrong with dating as long as you're doing it godly but it is is it effective uh, it's not really as effective as kind of just being patient and and waiting for God to bring you the right person because sometimes it takes a long time, but would you rather have the wrong person 10 years earlier or would you have rather have the right person at the right time and be happy forever? Yeah. Right. Amen. So that's ultimately what you want. So um, I would say this also, just enjoy your singleness. And I don't mean enjoy it by doing a bunch of dating. <laughs> I mean, just enjoy your time because once you do get married, you'll have a different type of responsibilities yeah. and you won't necessarily be able to maybe focus as much on you. So just enjoy your singleness. And what was the second part?
0: Um, and how do you know when the relationship is from God?
1: When that person puts God before you. That's good. Why aren't you guys clapping? I'm dropping dimes here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's,
1: good. <laughs> that's it right there, because because if someone will put you before God before they've got you locked down, they'll for sure do it after they've got you locked down. So let that be the test, you know, right there. That's, that's really the big one. Do they put God first in their life? Because ultimately the, the success of your marriage is gonna be dependent upon that couple being able to put God first in their life. Even when there's, a, when there's a disagreement, well, I feel like this, well, I feel like this. Well, what does the word of God say? And then you always have this, this central source that's drawing you. So that's it. Amen. All right, give the Lord a clap offering. And uh, that was fun.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Also, we'd love if you'd follow us on social media at NB Waves. Thanks again for listening to the Waves podcast. Have a great day.